This is the Cigar Snob Podcast. I'm Nick Jimenez. In this episode, we're doing something a little different. As you'll know if you follow the industry, the cigar world was dealt two major blows with the deaths of Padron Cigars Patriarch Jose Orlando Padron and Oliva Cigars Patriarch Gilberto Oliva Sr. Both men led operations renowned for their quality and consistency, and the impact they made on the world of cigars, especially Nicaraguan cigars, will be felt for a long time. We figured the best way to bring you closer to these men, their lives, and their stories would be to talk to some of the people who were closest to them. In the next episode of the podcast, we'll hear from those who were close to Gilberto Oliva Sr. In this episode, you'll hear from friends, family, and cigar makers close to Jose Orlando Padrón. Rather than give you interviews, I'll largely be stepping back and letting them speak. We'll start with Jose Orlando's son, Jorge Padrón. So there's one story in particular that always that I always think about when I think about my father and of his way of thinking and his the way that the certain principles guided him throughout his life. And, um, you know, it was back in the early 60s, right after he had started and founded the company, which he founded in 64. So I don't know, this must have been maybe late 65, 66, sometime around there. Well, first of all, my father was selling a bundle of 25 cigars, okay, long filler for $6 a bundle. And that was a, a Corona size, 42 by five and a half. It was a number four. So he would sell that for $6. And this gentleman came to him and, and said to him that he would buy 10,000 cigars and he would pay him $10 a bundle. And my father, you know, who didn't have two nickels to rub together, he's saying to himself, what the hell? How is it possible that this guy is willing to pay me $10 for a bundle if I'm selling them for six? And he says to him, well, what I want is I want to buy the, the, the bundles at $10, but I want you to sell them to me without bands and without cellophane. And my dad's like, well, why would you want that? You know, why, why do you want me to sell you the cigars like that? And why are you willing to pay me another $4? He's like, well, I've got a lot of boxes of Cuban H. Upmans that are the same size cigar. And I, what I want is to buy your cigars and put these bands on them. Well, my dad... Uh, at that moment, immediately said, listen, my name is worth a lot more than that. And this cigar is going to be better than that than those cigars. I don't want to take that deal. And he and he refused it. You know, when I when I heard that story for the first time, our business was already much further along. And it's easy to think about that now and and reject the idea because, you know, you don't need it. But it's a lot different to do it at that moment when you don't have a dime and you're trying to establish a business, he could have perfectly well sold him those cigars and it would have been the end of it. And, and he, nobody, you know, it would have just happened like any other transaction. But the principle behind it wasn't the right one for him and he refused it. And that was my father. And like that, I can tell you that there were many, many examples of him. And, uh, you know, he always quoted a, a phrase from Jose Marti, which said that men are created into two groups, you know, those that love and create and those that hate and destroy. And my father was definitely in the group of those that loved and created. He helped everyone he could, and he certainly tried to build as much as he could, whether it be our family, our business. Um, you know, later on in life, he established a Padron Family Foundation, which now is going forward is going to dedicate a lot of effort and time and money to building um, a school in Nicaragua as well as helping you know underprivileged uh, kids in education and health so you know it's a good thing you know my dad never forgot those basic you know fundamental things of his life that he thought were important and he tried to instill that into us you know to to continue that so 
you know, I, I have great memories of, of my father. Um, you know, he, he taught me everything I know. And, uh, and like I said, I was lucky and we were all lucky to have him as long as we did. And, you know, he died at 91, but he died a happy man surrounded by his family. And, you know, I always thought that, you know, shit, when I die, I want to be like that. I want to be able to, to, to put my head on that pillow and say, you know what? I've done everything I can. I've done it the right way. I've helped everyone I can. And my conscience is clear. And his conscience was totally clear. He was very grateful for being an American citizen. He always told me that he was happy to pay taxes, which I always laughed at. But he said, you know what? I'm happy to pay him because, um, you know, the U.S. government gave me a chance. And I'm happy to pay these taxes because that's the least I can do. And uh, it's funny because I look at my dad's first tax return. You know, he, his, 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 uh, his income in his first year here was $1,000. You know, and I have a copy of that here. And it's incredible to look at and say, you know, damn, it's amazing what he accomplished, you know, in this life. And yeah. that now we have this tremendous family that's all here. Everybody's united. You know, my mother is, is thankfully with us. And... Um, you know, and everybody's just grateful that, that we had the opportunity that we had and that he gave it to us, you know, on a silver platter. Yeah. And that our job now is to continue what he started and to live his legacy and live on in the way that he would have wanted us to live, which is to have a united family and to focus on the important things in life. All right, I'm just stepping back in here to provide a little bit of context. When you ask smokers around the world what comes to mind when they think of Padron cigars, one of the things that you'll hear often is that they see most or all of Padron's portfolio as fitting roughly into the same flavor profile. In other words, it's a company that's built its reputation by doing one thing exceptionally well. So I asked George what, if anything, that aspect of the cigars reflects about the way his father lived. My father was a very focused individual. He, he, he didn't try to be everything to everyone. He tried to be true to himself and what he thought the right, you know, things should be. And, uh, you know, he always used to say <laughs> that he made cigars for himself to smoke and the ones that he couldn't smoke, he sold. And that was, actually, he said that to me one time and I started laughing. I'm like, damn, that is so fucking true. That is exactly how, I mean, think about it. That, this is a product that is consumed. You develop a certain palate, you know, a, a taste profile in your cigars. People gravitate towards that profile and some will love it and some may not. And we've always been clear that there are some people who may not like our cigars, but we can't focus on the ones that don't like it. We have to focus on the ones that do like it. And I think there are many more that do rather than the ones that don't. So, you know, our philosophy has always been to make cigars that we like to smoke. And then, and that's basically what it's been. And that's how he, he put it in play. You know, he was a very smart man in that, you know, he had a certain way of thinking, but he allowed us also to develop and help the business. And a lot of the things that happened over the last 20 years, I was lucky enough to be a part of and to help influence the process. He certainly put us in a position to be able to develop all these products that we did. And he gave us a blessing, which is everything that we could have asked for because, you know, this was his baby. And for him to relinquish 
the controls of his baby like he did over the last 20 years. And I'm not saying relinquishing the controls like saying, here's the keys to the Ferrari, go drive it. No, no, no. He would he would lend us the keys for a short drive and then we'd have to come back and park the Ferrari and let him drive it. You know what I mean? But he always gave us that chance. And that was a great thing because he really prepared us for this day now when we have to, you know, drive the Ferrari every day. And... Um, and I think he, he felt at ease that he understood that we were clear on that mission. You know, over the last 20 years, we've developed some incredible products. And, you know, I think that part of the success is that focus, is that we're not trying to be, you know, we're not trying to make cigars, every, you know, new cigars every single day. Our thing is, is actually a little bit boring in a lot of ways because our products are usually, you know, we don't really introduce a lot of new products, but the ones that we do are very special. And I think that for a lot of people, that's a breath of fresh air because, you know, they understand that when they buy a Padron, they know what they're getting. And that's something that I think has helped us over the last 20 years, whereas some of our, in the cigar industry, there has been an, an explosion of new products coming out. Uh, I think that it has been good for some companies, but for our company, what's been good about our company is that we haven't done that and that we've stayed true to our to our roots and stayed focused on the mission, which is of making the best possible product we can. Finally, I asked George a question about his father that I've posed to many celebrated cigar makers. This is one of those rare industries in which success comes with a certain degree of fame. So there are autographs, meet and greets, people wanting to shake your hand and have their pictures taken. Of course, nobody gets into cigars for that, and they certainly weren't seeking that kind of thing back when Jose Orlando Padron was making his reputation. So what was his perspective on that aspect of his success in cigars? My father was a people person. Yeah. He loved to interact with people. The money did not drive my father. Okay, obviously he was very successful and he accomplished a lot financially, which is a great thing, but that wasn't the motivating factor behind my father. What motivated my father was to make a great cigar and have people enjoy it and tell him that they loved his cigar. That put a smile on my dad's face. You know, I, ob I obviously interacted with him on many, many occasions in group settings. I never saw him embarrassed to sign anyone's box. On the contrary, he loved to do that. You know, he loved to sign things for people. He loved to take pictures with people. Um, as a matter of fact, a lot of my friends who did not know my father in his professional life they knew him more of coming here smoking a cigar you know my dad was such a humble guy and i mean but one time a few of them went to an event and they saw like how they treated my father with such respect and they were like they couldn't he, he was like a rock star yeah. you know and they couldn't i mean they're, they're they're like in shock because they're seeing someone that again out of his element here in miami and the little factory and the whole thing but he was just at ease calm happy signing autographs and the respect that people had towards my father was unbelievable i mean you know people just loved him yeah. because you know they they i think that when you do things from the heart it comes out and uh it obviously reflected in his product and the many i mean hundreds of thousands of consumers that smoke padron and that are so loyal to our brand that to him was worth more than anything you can imagine and he never, and he always told me that. 
They always said the loyalty of the customer is the most important thing and the hardest thing that you will have to earn. Okay. And once you earn it, it takes years to earn it, but it only takes a few bad cigars to lose it. So don't ever forget that. And that was something that he, uh, you know, kept repeating, kept thinking. You know, he always used to ask people if there's, is there any problem with the cigar? Those are his first questions. And sometimes I would say, Dad, you you sound negative. And he's like, no, 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 no. My job is to know if there's something wrong. And sometimes people may be embarrassed to tell me, but they can't. They have to tell me the truth. Because if there's something wrong, I need to know that I have to fix it. Great cigar makers necessarily end up developing relationships with great tobacconists. One of those is Craig Cass, owner of Tinderbox Cigars in Charlotte, who recalled the time early in his own career when he met Jose Orlando Padron for the first time. And really, I consider the Padron family um, some of my closest relationships in the business. Um, I'm second generation in the business, uh, very similar to George, and consider you know George one of my one of my best friends in the industry, and I've known him you know over 20 years and. And roughly 20 years ago, it had been somewhere in the mid-90s, I was invited down to uh, Nicaragua with you know, six, seven other retailers, and mostly guys that were George's vintage, uh, vintage, all younger guys in the business. And we went down and really spent time with the family. And, and I, had, I had done other trips, obviously growing up in this business, to other factories, and there was always a sense of uh, formality with those trips where you end up in the factory and you're in the fields. And, and my first experience down with the Padrones was really, really an amazing trip from a family situation. I feel like we were included as part of the family and ended up uh, over uh, in their home uh, in Nicaragua. And one of my fondest memories of Orlando Padron was was him telling fabulous stories, you know, in Spanish. And uh, and when George would laugh uncontrollably three or four times throughout his his story, and at the end of, his, of Orlando's story, George would say, Dad, I can't tell these guys that. And he would really animate it, you know, again, speak to him in Spanish, and George would retell the stories, and, and we would all just laugh till we cried. And, and it, it made me realize, you know, what a what a humorous man, you know. And, and, and the takeaway for me was he was so giving of information and really got in the weeds with us on everything, from his, his background in Cuba to how he – how he ended up in Miami and then opened the factory in Nicaragua and really the trials and tribulations. And, and it was always family first and honesty and integrity, and, and that just exuded from him. And sitting, sitting in Nicaragua in the mid-'90s, you know, really before a lot of the accolades came, you know, having a Cuban coffee and having a Padron cigar and sitting there in conversation was really, really a uh, an experience that I think of often really throughout the last 20 years has always been top of mind and made me realize I'm not just selling a product I'm selling you know a lifestyle I'm selling a, a honesty I'm selling integrity and I'm selling consistency and I'm selling people that work hand in hand to make a a great product uh, year over year and many times in life you meet successful people no matter what the industry is and, and what they do and and you always think, man, there's happenstance there, right place, right time kind of thing. But once you pull the curtain back and you sit down with people like the Padrones, and it all starts at the top with the man, and you sit down with him, you realize, man, I get it. This this doesn't just happen. This was years in the making, and it's not going to go away. You know, they're set up for generations of success, and it all started with um, Jose Orlando Padron, and, and what a great man, and he'll be missed. Abe DeBabno owns the Smoke-In Cigar Lounges that are favorites of smokers in Florida's Broward and Palm Beach counties, 
When I asked him to say a few words about Jose Orlando Padrón, he told me that he didn't think he could do much better than a heartfelt open letter that he had written. As time speeds by on the superhighway of life, one of the hard parts to swallow is the increased frequency of losing ones we love. The industry that I have dedicated my life to and that has embraced me lost another great legend, Jose Orlando Padrón. I was blessed with having a close relationship with Mr. Padrón. He affectionately referred to me as the Gordo of West Palm Beach. Over 20 years of going to Miami and interacting with the Padrón family, he always welcomed me with a warm heart. While he will undoubtedly be remembered for decades to come for building one of the greatest cigar brands in the history of this industry, I will remember him for something else. Growing up, I had 20 aunts and uncles, and I will always have a deep admiration for my grandparents who not only raised and provided for 10 children each, but overcame great obstacles doing it, never complaining, never resenting, just doing what needed to be done with love in their hearts. What I will most remember and admire about Jose Padron is not the cigar empire he built, but the family empire he built, a family that I am sure he was deeply proud of. Many men find great success in business, and Mr. Padron definitely found his, building one of the greatest cigar brands from scratch. Few men achieve such heights of success in building great families, though. And to me, that's exactly what he did. Never once in 20 years did I visit their headquarters and not witness every family member hard at work, working with love and pride for what they do. Imagine a whole company built by family, run by family, without the bickering and feuds that most families have just living together. A truly amazing feat and a testament to the man that he was. As I now think of him, I am very happy for him. He was a blessed man who lived a blessed life. He not only built an amazing empire for his family, but also instilled in them all the ethic and emotional and mental fortitude needed to continue what he started. Being able to witness the family grow as large as the business had into multi-generations of dedicating and loving members has to truly be an amazing thing. I hope I'm fortunate enough to experience that in a lifetime with my family. Over the next few weeks and months to come, I'm sure we'll see many eulogies dedicated to the life's work of Jose Padron. And while there's no question that he is worthy of every accolade that will ever be said about him, the great family man is what I will always admire most about him. To my dear friend, Jose Orlando Padron, I am happy you were able to see the fruits of your many labors in life and taste its sweetness. You will be deeply missed as great men are never easily replaced and their passing creates vacuums not so easily filled. As you now rest and watch us from above, may your glass always be filled with dimple pinch and your Padron cigar never ash. Your friend, El Gordo de West Palm Beach. Next, we'll hear from Ernesto Pérez Carrillo of EPC Cigars, the maker of E.P. Carrillo, Inch, and La Historia, among other brands. He started with a story that Jose Orlando told him about the business side of making cigars in the early days of his company. At the, um, at the wake, you know, we were, were talking, uh, you know, different manufacturers <clears throat> talked about, you know, Padron and, you know, what stories, you know, we remember. I told one about <clears throat> the fact that when he was, you know, starting in Miami, he used to have a salesperson a rep up in, um, you know, New Jersey or New York, and he sent him some cigars, and he kept waiting for the, um, you know, the guy to pay, and basically it was six hundred dollars. So what he decided to do after, you know, a few months or whatever, you know, he says, you know what, I'm going to drive up there, I'm going to collect my money. So he went up. He knocked on the guy's door. The guy opened the door, and basically he was shocked that, you know, Padron was there. And he basically said, you know, you have to pay. 
And, you know, when I asked him, you know, I mean, $600 was a lot of money at that time, but, you know, when you take it into account, you drive up that far and everything, you know, you think about it, it's not, it, it, was it really worth it? He says, you know what, Ernesto, it, it, it's a question of principle. You, you know, that's something that, that, you know, he had to understand that, you know, with Padron, with my name, with my principles, you know, you can't play. And uh, that was basically, you know, Padron. You know, he had a, he was a man of, 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 you know, very high principles. He was, you know, a, a man, a, a, such a self-confident uh, person that he believed with all his heart that he made, you know, b basically, you know, the best cigars in the world. He had a, uh, you know, a, a, a confidence about him, you know, the self-esteem. And he was a man that had no fears. And that's, uh, you know, I'm sure that we've all heard the stories of, you know, doing the, uh, the revolution in Nicaragua, how he stayed in his factory and, you know, they were taking basically shots at it, but he stayed there. So, I mean, he's always been a, a person that, you know, I look up to, I admire because of, aside his know-how, as a man, he's, he's, uh, he's, he was really special to me, you know. The whole family is great, and I'm sure they're all going to, you know, sorely miss uh, uh, Jose Orlando Padron because, you know, he was uh, one of a kind. And he had the history, you know, he came from Cuba, started with nothing and, and basically, you know, achieved the empire, which, which he has now, you know, and, let, and let's face it, you know, he was really, I think, in my, my opinion, the person that really put uh, Nicaragua on the map, you know, I mean, there's a lot of great manufacturers out there in Nicaragua, but, you know, he was through, you know, the good times and the bad times. And uh, he, you know, he was very instrumental in making Nicaragua you know, as popular as it is today. So he opened the door to a lot of the, uh, you know, the younger generation that's there now. And, um, you know, we all have to thank him, you know, because there's so many things that we could talk about as far as, you know, tobacco, the knowledge that he had, you know, the, you know, things that, you know, that I and him would, or him and I, I'm sorry, would speak about uh, as far as, you know, tobacco, fermentation and all that. And, you know, the man was, was really, a, I mean, a genius at that. He had his own way of, you know, working with tobacco, which, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it's very inspiring, let's put it that way. Rocky Patel started his successful cigar company as an outsider to the industry. After becoming a cigar man and setting up shop in Nicaragua, he became close to Jose Orlando Padrón. So Jose Orlando Padrón was a pioneer and a visionary in our industry. You know, he had gone through a lot of trials and tribulations, Cuba, Nicaragua, all over. And he had worked through many challenges to make the Padron Cigar Company a legendary, monumental company in the entire world and certainly in this country. And I admire him for that. I never had a father in the industry. And he truly was like a father figure to me. He um, created a brand that is very renowned and most impressive about the man was the fact of the family that he created around him, employing, working with, and mentoring not only his two sons, but all the grandkids, cousins, aunts, uncles, relatives in that family. Uh, it was mobilizing how he had created this company and earned the respect and love that he shared with the entire family. So 
the, the parts I remember, some great stories, spending time with them in Esteli and when we were hosting and uh, had the people there from Cigar Aficionado uh, drinking some scotch and listening to some of his great stories from Cuba and Nicaragua. And, um, you know, he had a great sense of humor. But what I remember the most about him is, you know, when we were fighting so hard to defeat the FDA, both on the legislative front and the legal front, and he'd always come and pat me on the back and said, just keep up the good work. Don't worry. At the Patron family, we have your back. So I, I loved that about him. I respected uh, him. He cared about the industry. He cared about the future. He wanted to fight for the premium cigar industry. And uh, I always looked up to him as a father in the industry. Our last tobacconist here is one of the cigar sellers Cigar Snob sees most often since he's right in our backyard in Miami. Here's Jorge Valdez from Sabor Havana Cigars. You know, my brother went to school with Orly, with Orly Padron. But I met them back in the day when I used to have to go there with my father to the original uh, factory or the original distribution center. I used to have to go there with my father to pick up cigars from my uncle. My uncle smoked the Padron Fumas or the Casadores, which are in yellow boxes. I sent uh, I sent the Padrones a picture one time that he had over a hundred boxes in his garage. Um, there were ugly cardboard boxes with yellow paper on it with the name. So um, I would go and I would buy cigars, and and my father would send them to my uncle in Vegas because my uncle lived in Vegas and that's what he liked to smoke. So uh, many years later, somewhere about 1994, to going there many many years earlier with my father and alone. I decided to get into the cigar business. So, of course, I went there to talk to them, and, and I talked to him, and and uh, he advised me on, on what to do and, and how to go about it. So, you know, I kept going there uh, over and over again and became very close to the family. They would have a ritual that they would get together, uh, him and a bunch of his friends, on Saturdays and sit behind the counter or he's sit behind the desk and they would hold court about politics and about business and women and jokes and and we would eat uh, pastelitos de guayaba that people would bring which were his favorites and and empanadas and and drink coffee and smoke cigars of course um over the years you know uh, i saw the kids grow uh i saw uh, you know george come into the picture um i knew elizabeth and and i knew lisette and and I got more and more into the business. Um, they helped me immensely. Um, and those Saturdays were ideal because I can sit there and I can listen to him. And, and he would ask me uh, in his tone of voice, which is unforgettable, uh, están la renta? how are the sales? And, uh, and you could tell him. And, and when I had four stores, you know, he sat me down one day and he told me, um, you know, you need to focus. You need to concentrate on one thing. You need to make one thing better and then worry about everything else after. Uh, you have four stores. You're trying to, you know, do too much, and uh, you should consolidate. After years of making mistakes and, and not doing that, one day I decided to do that. And we sold and closed one store and sold to the other two, and, and we consolidated everything to Doral, and, and it took us a couple of years. And... Uh, and uh, it worked out just like he said it would work out. 
he was very tough on me. Um, he was always uh, on me for a lot of stuff. But, um, you know, one day we had an event at the store and I made mention of that in public. And I said, you know, you know, Orlando is very tough on me and, and he's always on me to make sure that, that I'm making the right choices and I'm, that I'm selling Padron. And George took the microphone and said, you know, the reason why he's on you is because, you know, he cares a lot about you. So we consider you family. And, and, uh, and this was a couple of years ago. It was like about 2012, no, 13, when he came to the store and signed uh, box number seven, Millennium box number seven, which I still have. We spent a lot of time together, you know, when he couldn't go to the RTDA or the IPCPR. I would go visit him at the house and play dominoes while we watched everybody at the IPCPR on screen because he had cameras. He had Caesar carrying around a, a laptop with a camera. And he was always very involved, very involved. He always wanted to see everything. He always wanted to read everything. Um, he would give me stuff to read, uh, accolades and things that they would write about Padron and about him and about his brand and and it was always an amazing thing for people that that uh, he was able to do all that without what everybody else has. He's an anomaly. Um, no salespeople. Everybody in the in the company, the majority of them are associated by family or our family that answer the phone. I always said that if you called Padron back in the day, a Padron would answer, and uh, that would be true because it would be to be Rudy or. Orly or George or Elizabeth or Lisette or Flori or he would answer himself. Orlando would answer himself. So a great man, a determined man, uh, a guy that always knew what he wanted to do and how he wanted to do it. Um, he controlled everything from seed to cigar and up to even, you know, pricing and sale and, and distribution. Uh, you can see by the cigar boxes that it was all about the cigar, nothing about the fanfare of the box and, and you know, these colored boxes or these elaborate boxes or labels. Um, he put all his energy into the cigar. That was, that was what he believed. Um, I may mention one time at the Millennium Box that it was just like a, a huge uh, shoe box. And he said, the box doesn't matter, my son. What matters is what's inside and he was perfectly correct. The cigars were, uh, and I'm lucky enough to have box number seven at Sauravana. The cigars are amazing. Uh, great man. I'm going to miss him dearly. I'm going to miss his advice. I'm going to miss his laughter. Um, I'm going to miss seeing him on Saturdays. Every time I eat a pate de guayaba, I'm going to think of him. Regardless of every time I smoke a Padron, I'm going to think of him. So, um I wish him Godspeed, um, and I wish his family peace. He had a very, very good life. He lived a long life, and he lived it uh, to the fullest. And I am proud to to have been part of that, and, and uh, I'm honored that I was able to share uh, great moments with him and his family. Recently, we went to Jessica's wedding. We were part of that, my wife and I, and we were honored that they consider us um, – as close to family as family can be. Jonathan Drew, founder of Drew Estate, is another cigar company founder whose family history was never steeped in tobacco. He took a deep dive into Esteli and became acquainted with Jose Orlando before Nicaraguan cigars really caught fire. So uh, 
my experiences with Orlando Padron began at my earliest stage. Oh, actually, prior to moving to Nicaragua, when I would go down uh, to Esteli and you would bump into Nestor Mara- uh, Placencia, you know, in a restaurant, maybe eating or checking tobacco, and you kind of would bump into people because the options of places to go were very small. There might have been three real restaurants in town, and there might have been one hardware store. There were no fast food restaurants. There was one gas station, actually two. And you would just bump into people more often because of the lack of destinations in the city. So bumping into Orlando Padron, uh, the most unusual uh, run-in with Orlando at the earliest stage prior to moving to Nicaragua was in Managua, going to a national hall meeting uh, regarding the Zona Franca factories for the country, because they were just establishing Zona Franca, which is free trade zone for Nicaragua. And there was quite a debate going on. And I remember being in a auditorium, smaller with maybe 50 cigar guys from different places in the world. And Orlando was there. And it was a moment where watching how the government would listen to him and watching how the people would uh, respond to his advice was incredibly interesting. After I moved to Nicaragua, uh, we became friends. And Orlando Padron is the one who titled JD as the Gringo, uh, Gringo Loco. So all of those experiences with Orlando Padron um, were always positive. They were always fun. Um, and he was always uh, trying to be in the mix and, and relevant in Esteli, and everybody loved him. So they were great memories. They could go on and on from the years of, uh, of just Esteli life and really being there for 14 years on a full-time basis. And that was the other thing that I loved about Orlando Padron was he was really there all of the time. He was living in Nicaragua. So during those 14 to 16 years that I was living there, you know, he was part of the scenery of Esteli. He was part of the movement. He was part of what was going on. All of the old timers who were, you know, the original fabric of the pioneers of Nicaraguan tobacco, uh, Orlando always played a role side by side with Nestor Placencia and uh, a few others, basically as the mentors to the next crew, probably the most impactful memory of my entire um, time in Nicaragua that would deal with both Gilberto Oliva and uh, Orlando Jose Padron was at the first or second Nicaraguan uh, cigar festival. We at the factory, myself and Jesse Torres, what we did was we honored both of them. I believe it was the second one with a trophy that Jesse made by hand for them. And uh, we honored them at 80 years old for all of the gifts that they've blessed the entire premium cigar industry and for all of the, uh, you know, all of the education and experience and every, what is the right word, but all of the um, achievement. It was a 80th year achievement trophies that we made for both of them. 
And uh, it was a really big moment bringing up on stage in front of uh, 200 people from all over the world, probably 30 or 40 countries, and having the two of them accept the award for their excellence. So for me, that was a personal uh, special moment because it was my idea and Jesse carried it out by creating the awards. Last great thing that always uh, makes me smile was my PCPR could have been year 2001, 2002, but having all of Estelo Pedron, you know, uh, Orlando's brother who ran the Villazon factory in Honduras and Bob Francois and Orlando Pedron and all of, you know, all of the guys uh, from Johnny Oliva, everybody coming to our IPCPR show booth and the music was on and everybody was going crazy. There were women in the booth and guys, everybody was dancing, having a great time. And Orlando Pedron was right in the middle of everything just going totally crazy, enjoying himself in the Drew Estate booth. And uh, everybody really uh, loved uh, seeing that. My mom and dad were there. So that was just a great moment early on where uh, uh, at the IPCPR booth, that was a very communal and very uh, spiritual, you know, moment towards the end of the last day of the show. Albert Hernandez is a founding member of The Bastards, a close-knit group of Padron superfans who get together for Hearst and have managed to make themselves part of the Padron Cigars family. I truly loved and respected Jose Orlando Padron. He, he, he reminded me a lot uh, of my father, who passed away in 2009. He, he, he was very simple and he was very uh, humble, uh, and he was, uh, he was a smart guy. He was a very smart guy, and the more you knew him, the more you realized he was a very intelligent guy and very, uh, very reserved. I was going to the factory and listening to his uh, amazing antidotes and uh, experiences. He, he told incredible stories. I mean, uh, stories that were amazing. But um, most of all, I think I'll miss uh, laughing with him. He was a, he was a great storyteller, and um, we used to tell each other jokes and, and laugh like dummies. He, he was a, an amazing human being. To me... He, he what gave my respect is he was the prime example of a Cuban exile who came to the United States and from hard work, perseverance, humility, and honesty, built not only a, a dynasty, but an amazing family. I mean, you can always tell the way people are by the way they care, their kids are. And that family is amazing. They're all wonderful, wonderful people. Uh, down to the grandchildren. I mean, it's um, he, he's he, he's uh, he's he's definitely be one of the guys that I that I always think about and remember because uh, he was a uh, he was an exemplary human being and a great uh, leader to his family. The bastards were a secret society, and he was hip to it. I I think I think he 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 really enjoyed the the fact that. We were also united, and you know we would have a reunion in, in the uh, in the cigar sh- in, in, in the factory once a year, a uh, smoker every year, and he 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 loved it. He 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 enjoyed it, and he sat with us, and he played dominoes with us, and he talked to everybody, and and, and enjoyed the fact. Uh, and but I'm telling you, he was such a humble guy. He didn't realize that we were just enjoying the best cigars on earth, and enjoying his company because he was. He was just a treat to be with. He was just an amazing individual. And just he, the, the things he had achieved in his life were the most interesting thing uh, about him. You know, he was, uh, I mean, every time I went by there, he was always working, working, working. 
at at his age, you know, nothing ever slowed him down. It was amazing. Uh, I love playing dominoes with him because if I if I if if I by some chance uh, was able to beat him, he would look at me with this particular face that I'll never forget, and then he would destroy me. <laughs> it was hysterical. He was very competitive, and I thought that was awesome. Back in 2016, Carlos Fuentes Sr.'s death rattled the cigar world, in particular, the Dominican cigar world. His son, Carlito Fuente, knows the pain of losing a business and family patriarch. The Fuentes are known for their Dominican operation now, but Carlito used to spend much of his time in Nicaragua, where he began to develop a deep respect for what Jose Orlando was building. Um, you know, there were two different human beings, he and my father. They, they were different in, in, in ways. Each one was an individualistic individual, and but yet they had, to me, they had so many of the common characters. Um, first of all, they were their work, their ethics, um, their their integrity, their commitment to their craft, and most importantly, which is equal, their commitment to their family. I see so many similarities in, in Orlando and my father, and not that I want to speak about my father, this is not the moment, but Orlando was like a father to me, in the sense that um, he, he, was, he, he set the principles, and he set the... He said not the tone, but the strength of what a man's man is in many ways. I remember the story. I mean, we, our factory was burned the same day. When we were in Nicaragua back in the 70s, our factory was burned the same exact day. There were four factories burned. There weren't many factories in those days. I think there was only four, maybe five in Estelí. And one was uh, Padrones. The other one was Carlito, Casilla Pulido. The other one was the Osses factory. And, uh, and then our factory, which was called Don Victor back then because of uh, uh, Fernando Fulpiciella, the old Cuban family, uh, it was called Don Victor, which we were partners with uh, Juan Francisco Bermejo and Angel Oliva. And I remember, um, you know, going to where I used to go every evening uh, after work. My father and I, we used to go to a Chico motel, and Orlando was always there playing down the road. Uh, with a few Cubans that were there at the time and just telling stories and so forth. Um, and I always remember him being a man that, besides his worth ethics, which are non-questionable, he was a man with great pride. He was a man with, like my father, probably one of the biggest balls, if, you could, if I could say that, courage that existed. I remember the day after the after the uh, the fire when they burned our factory down, or, or a day, maybe two days after, Orlando was in Costa Rica speaking at the Adios of America, uh, accusing Somoza and so forth and standing up to him. Uh, he went through a lot. He stood up for what he believed in. But I think one of his greatest accomplishments, aside from the cigars and everything, is that uh, he set the base and the foundation for the next generation, for his children, who follow his footsteps, who are hardworking, who have the integrity, the honor, the ethics. And I think that's the greatest accomplishment of a human being. It's more than the products they create, the happiness it brings to people. It's also that that is a legacy that will live generations to follow. And I think that Orlando Padron's greatness is just that. 
Father Willy Garcia Tuñón is the president at Belen Jesuit Preparatory School, the all-boys Jesuit prep school that Jorge Padrón and other members of his family call their alma mater. I'm also a graduate of the school, as is Father Willy himself. Father Willy is an avid smoker and a close friend of the Padrón family. Uh, he's at the top of the food chain when it comes to the cigar industry, but but also just as a human being. I mean, the fact is that he was the... Uh, he was the epitome of the uh, living the American dream as a guy who comes to this country after leaving Cuba with nothing and is able to build an incredible empire that's respected around the world, not to mention myself in particular. The one anecdote that I would share is that as, a, you know, as, a, as, as the family's priest, I had many opportunities to share at a very intimate you know, level with the family. And I, you know, I will share with you that uh, a lot of people are not aware of the fact that Orlando had a very strong devotion. As a Catholic, he had a very strong devotion to uh, one particular saint, which was uh, St. Saint Barbara, whose um, feast day is on December the 4th. And it's a devotion that he carried with him for many, many years, ever since he was in Cuba. My favorite cigar, the cigar that I uh, smoke from Padrón, is the number four, which is of the 64 series, and it's uh, the number four cigar. I love the size and the, the taste and all of it is great. Uh, I was unaware of the fact that it was named the number four after St. Barbara because her feast day is celebrated on the 4th of December. Uh, but the anecdote comes that the uh, a couple of days before he passed away, he, uh, he called me to go to the hospital to visit him, and he asked me to, to go, and so I... I dropped everything and I went to go visit him and uh, everybody was in the room in the hospital room shortly before his dying everybody was in there and he asked everybody to leave the room and only I was in the room with George his son the the, the day was December the uh, the 3rd he said to me that he had he 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 was asking me for a favor he asked me to pray so that the lord would grant him the opportunity to die on the feast day of St Barbara uh, which happened to be, like I said before, the, the 4th of December, which was the following day. So I told him, I said, listen, it's, you know, it's up to the Lord to take you whenever he feels you're ready. I go, but I will ask him that if he could find the, you know, if it's possible for it to be on the 4th of December on the Feast of St. Barbara. That was his petition. And interestingly enough, he actually died December the 5th, the day after. But he missed the day only by about 20 minutes because he died at 1220 in the morning on December the 5th. And in thinking about that whole situation, I came to the realization that uh, I was convinced he had such a strong devotion to St. Barbara that in order to not take away any importance or any, any you know, focus on her feast day, he just waited a very you know, gentleman-like 20 minutes uh, and, and, and went ahead and, and, and left us on the, on the following day. Finally, we'll hear from Jose Oliva. His father, Hilberto Oliva Sr., died about a week after Jose Orlando Padrón did. The two men were close, and we asked Jose to reflect on Jose Orlando and his relationship with Gilberto. Well, my, my, my first recollections of, uh, of Orlando Padrón was uh, as a small child. My dad, when he was in town in, in the late 70s, early 80s, whenever he was in town, uh, we, we lived in Hialeah. So my, my dad would, say, would tell me, you know, early on a Saturday morning, Vamos que vamos a Miami. You know, we were going, we were going into Miami, which was, you know, at the time, a, a big thing. You were going a long way, and uh, and we would go, and and we and we would go by uh, Five Vegas, and we would go by uh, 
what is the name of my goodness it's been such a while I, i've forgotten but we'd go see pedro martin if he was in town we'd go see rolando reyes if he was in town uh there's some other benny gomez at intercontinental we'd go see and we'd go by and see padron and it was what a different time i mean you paid people visits uh which is, you know, there's a comedian, Sebastian Maniscalco, that has a great bit on, on, on paying people visits. But this was a thing. I mean, you literally would go and pay someone a visit, and no one would ever wonder, what are you doing here? Well, there you were. You were just coming by. And so I remember that as a kid, uh, we go visit Camacho. Simon Camacho, the original Camacho, had a factory down near Padron. Uh and you'd go in there. And as a kid, I'd go, you know, but play around in the tables and with the molds and whatever. And they'd be talking. And they'd be talking for an hour and a half, smoking their cigar. And my dad would say, come on, we're going. And we'd go and we'd go to the next place. And, and we'd spend all Saturday visiting people. And, and Padron was one of them. Uh, and so I don't, it's, I don't have much of a recollection of what they spoke about. Uh, but what strikes me even even still today is, the fact that they all had respect and deference for one another. I mean, you know, you, you go and you visit someone and you spend time talking to them and you go, there's a, there's a, there's a real respect. It's uh it's of a time gone by when things like that would just happen. Uh, you know, you, these guys, these guys had all been through, through many similar things. And so I remember that, uh, you know, outside of that, obviously, I mean, what can be said about Padron? I mean, he was, he was the, the pioneer of uh, of Nicaraguan cigars. I mean, he he kept that torch lit during a time when when uh, when it had mostly gone out. Uh, and and I think it's altogether fitting that uh, that he had the position that he had in the in the cigar world and and in Nicaraguan cigars as a whole because of uh, because of his massive contribution to it. At Cigar Snob, we know that cigars are generally a symbol of celebration. And while losing people is sobering, the idea here is to bring you in on a celebration of the lives of men who left the cigar world so much. So to that end, an upcoming episode of the podcast will follow a similar format with friends, family, colleagues, and competitors remembering the life and legacy of Gilberto Oliva Sr. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and share this episode with anyone you think might want to learn a bit about Jose Orlando Padrón. Until next time, I'm Nick Jimenez, and this is the Cigar Snob Podcast.